We have the one and only legendary Dave Mays, founder of The Source Magazine, as well as The Source Awards. Dave Mays, how are you doing today, man? Doing great. Great. Thanks for having me. Yes, congratulations on all your accolades and what you did for hip-hop. I know you went to Harvard. You had your own college radio show there. You started The Source magazine on your own. Your idea was developed, and then you bring it to New York. But tell me, how was your show in college, Go Go Dave? How, how was the show? Yeah, how was it? Um, uh, Street Beat was the shit, man. I mean, <clears throat> that was the name of my radio show. Me and John Schechter hosted this show, um, The Sultan of Rap and Go Go Dave. But I was, you know, I took it real serious. I really, you know, stayed up there for, you know, over the summers and built it up for four years, built up a big following. A lot of people from Boston still know me as Go Go, um, you know. But, uh, you know, this was at a time when, Hip hop was still, you know, still early on. This is the, you know, 86 through 90 when I'm doing the, the show. So, um, you know, there's not a lot of hip hop on the radio at that time. So people are trying to find it, you know, and the show started at like 1 a.m. on a Friday night. Uh, but we had people all over Boston listening loyally. And then we got moved to Saturday afternoon, and, you know, and they gave us a couple more hours and boom, boom, boom. But yeah, the show was great. Um, allowed me to just, you know, get into the hip hop, you know, space in a, in a, in a, you know, relevant way while being at Harvard, which was, you know, difficult to, to do. Um, and, uh, yeah. And that was really the launching pad where the idea for the source came from. Graduated with a degree in government. Yes, I did. That's right. (laughs) Well, what was your introduction to hip hop as a listener that made you want to just dive into this genre of music? What was it? Well, I mean, the very first rap record I <clears throat> I heard was Rapper's Delight. You know, I was, I think, in sixth grade, and I can remember hearing it on the radio and, like, you know, I knew every word, and I would run around the playground, you know, rapping all the words. Um, <clears throat> I loved the message when the message came out a few years later. That really uh, just stuck with me. Just It was just such a powerful song. Um, and... Uh, you know, I grew up in D.C., so I was actually much more into go-go music, um, which we don't have to get off into the whole thing about go-go, but that was really the dominant music uh, for D.C. Um, but when I got to Harvard, I sort of like became more fully immersed in hip-hop because go-go wasn't being taken to up there in Boston. I tried to bring go-go to Boston from D.C., but it, it didn't, didn't work out too well. <laughs> so you're able to do it with hip hop at your college going on to create the source magazine. Now, how did you start putting this idea together and eventually bringing it to New York in which it became the Bible of hip hop? Um, well, it started because that one of the reasons I joined the radio station was I found out that it allows you as a student and as a, as a station to sell sponsorships of your show and you would make a commission. So I was always, you know, like hustling, you know, entrepreneurial, trying to find ways to make money. So I'm like, okay, you know, I can, I can do that. I can sell some, some sponsorships and make some money. Um, so when I started trying to do that for Street Beat, I would go around town um, to local businesses, you know, in Boston. And I would say, you know, tell them, you know, about it, everything. And they would, you know, basically laugh me out of the store. Like, you know, who's listening to a hip hop show at Harvard, you know, Harvard's radio station was known to play classical music. They had students there playing classical music all day long. Um, and that was what it was known for. So first thing I did was, okay, I know I have you know hundreds if not thousands of listeners all over the air, Boston area that are tuning in all the time. Let me figure out how I can prove that I have this audience. So I started a mailing list 
Um, and I had people call in, I write down their names and addresses and found other ways to collect, um, uh, you know, um, names and addresses and built a mailing list. And then that mailing list, um, you know, gave me the idea to start a newsletter, you know, rather than just focusing on ads on the radio show, I was like, well, I can create a newsletter while I'm answering the phones, writing down people's name and address. They're asking me a million questions, you know, when is the new Public Enemy album coming out? And, you know, is this true? Who produced that? Or when's that remix coming? Like, you know, people, hip hop fans were dying for information. Like, you know, we were thirsty for information. There was nowhere to find it. So that really was the inspiration. Like, I can give out news and information to this mailing list. And it went from there from a, a single sheet newsletter. The source was started. It was one yellow page front and back. Um, mailed out to those thousand listeners or so, plus record labels around the country. And, uh, and then it just grew from there. And the vision grew to really create a magazine, kind of like a rolling stone for the hip hop generation. Do you remember the first magazine for the source that you printed and who was on the cover? Very first, you mean like, well, after it changed from the newsletter to the magazine? Yes. Uh, well, it was a gradual process. So it's hard to say. I mean, yeah. So the third issue uh, the source was like a booklet. It was 16 pages, all black and white, but it formatted, you know, with the logo on the front and, and like a picture, which is Slick Rick. So he was technically the first cover of the source. But then it went to like, you know, uh, uh, one one uh, color on the front, red and white and black. And then it went to four color. And then it went to, you know, having more uh, glossy paper for the cover and then glossy paper, both inside and outside. Like that was when you could say we were a real magazine. That was like about two years. June of 1990 was our first all glossy paper, all full color magazine. And Ice Cube was on the cover of that. Classic, legendary stuff we have here. The source starts to get really known here, not just with the magazines, but you started to give out the awards at the Yo! MTV Raps performances. And then from there, eventually you get your own show, which is huge. And you start hosting your own shows here. Um, yeah, did start as a day on Yo! MTV Raps. So, um, you know, I just went to the producers over there that I had got, uh, gotten to know and said, hey, you know, we got this idea. We're doing the year-end issue of the magazine. We're going to name the top artist of the year, the top group of the year, top album of the year. We want to present those as awards, you know, on Yo! TV Raps. And they said, cool. So we did that. But, you know, the idea was always to like, you know, can I turn this into like a real award show? Because hip hop needs its own award show. Hip hop, you know, people weren't giving hip hop any kind of respect. Um, it was getting, you know, dissed and downplayed and you know, it was just like, man, you know, this is this is huge. You know, there's millions of fans of hip hop, but then there's the rest of the world that like, you know, hates it or doesn't know what it is or thinks it's crap or thinks it's just a fad or, or what have you. So, um, yeah, I was able um, in 94 to, to actually uh, fill up the, the theater in Madison Square Garden with 5000 people. Uh, I think we partnered with Hot 97, the radio station, which had just launched. That was, you know, when Hot 97 first started. Um, and, you know, we sold a bunch of tickets and then we, you know, invited all the industry and the artists and had a full award show. Uh, there's very little video from that that exists, but that, you know, I had Tupac there, um, you know, uh, a Tribe Called Quest, um, Luke, I mean, everybody was there, Russell Simmons, uh, Run DMC, uh, Queen Latifah, um, 
you know, it was a huge amount of people. I'm forgetting a lot of the folks that were there in 94, but 95 was the first one that I was able to get televised. Um, I basically hired a syndicator that cleared the show uh, to be on local networks or local stations. So an NBC station in New York, a, a CBS or Fox station in DC or wherever the case may be. And that's how the 95 award show was televised all, all over the country. And it brought in such an audience for for hip hop. And you know, this was what was looked at towards for hip hop because the Grammys didn't give hip hop its respect and and still isn't. And later on in the interview, I'll ask you your thoughts on that as Nas finally won a Grammy. Are we turning the tide here or or not? But I don't think so. I think just Nas just had the best album last year. <laughs> oh, but but getting into the whole Source Awards and the Source Magazine for unsigned hype, we know how things have changed over time with everyone looking at the social media numbers nowadays, who's doing the dances on TikTok. It, the, the talent really isn't as as much as it used to be as the message. It's the numbers. So how did you go about getting the the unsigned hype into this magazine? Because you, you put on Biggie, Mob Deep, DMX. You see this in the magazine. This is what happened for legendary artists back then is that they came through the unsigned hype portion of your magazine so how did you go about in in discovering this talent and knowing that these guys were the next up sure well like you were saying it was very different back then there was no social media there was no internet there weren't all these ways for artists to get their music out there um so you know a lot of it you know was just creating your demos and trying to get them to record labels or anywhere else that you know you know people could hear your music um now, Unsigned Hype um, was started by John Schechter just because we started getting a lot of demos mailed uh, to the magazine. And, um, you know, he thought, you know, let's just pick the best one and write about them each issue. And then Maddie C, who's uh, legendary at the source and legendary A&R for Loud Records, uh, Maddie started working uh, with us at the source in 89-90. And he ended up taking that column over. And so he would just pour through all the tapes and, you know, have people, people would come up and bring him stuff up there. And Maddie's really the one that uh, found all of the first round of big names, DMX, uh, Biggie, of course, Common, Mob Deep were all while Maddie was running the column. And, and there were some other notable people in there, the artifacts, I remember. Uh, we're doing a podcast right now, a, a, a scripted uh, documentary podcast on the story of the unsigned hype column. So that's coming out. Um, we're dropping a trailer in December and it's going to be released first part of the new year. You'll be able to hear and learn the whole backstory of the column, how these artists got signed and, you know, everybody that was involved in it. You know, Riggs Morales also became a big part of it. Uh, he's one of the top A&R people in the music industry today. And he started, you know, as an intern at the source and was running Unsigned Hype and put, among other people, Eminem in the Unsigned Hype column before he ever had a record deal amazing the source is one of the most important things for hip-hop ever is you started to bring advertisers to nike and mountain dew they wanted to advertise to the hip-hop audience and consumer yeah i mean it wasn't easy because um you know back then again nobody really understood or believed in hip-hop you know i can remember flying out to portland oregon with a backpack of source magazines and i was able to you know somehow i got in a meeting out at the Nike uh, campus and offices out there. And, you know, back, this is, you know, 92, 93. And, 
you know, Nike had no clue. These people out there were so far removed from hip hop and what it was. But that became sort of my job was to go out into the corporate world and to these brands and educate them about hip hop and let them know, like, you know, this isn't what you think it is. This is something that's going to be around. This is something that appeals to everyone. You know, this audience is, is uh, driving, you know, purchasing power of so many things like your sneakers are being purchased, you know. You know, back then they used to think it was just, you know, because of the athletes and all they cared about was we're going to be an athletic company and we only want to have athletes. But obviously we can see, you know, that's changed. I mean, hip hop revolutionized the sneaker industry. The source was part of that. Uh, we wrote uh, the first kind of article that people say created sneakerhead culture, which was featuring Bobito, who most people know today. Uh, Bobito started writing record reviews for the source in the late 1980s while I was still in college and while I was uh, in college and then working for Def Jam. But we had a whole feature with Bob talking about his sneaker collection, Confessions of a Sneaker Addict. It's a famous article that came out in the source and that really kind of started the whole sneakerhead culture movement. And uh, so, yeah, that was what I was out there doing, whether it was Nike or Mountain Dew or whoever was really trying to educate them and bring them authentically into the culture. Um, and so I think, you know, I had a, a played a, a role in helping, you know, bridge that gap uh, between, you know, the authenticity of the music and the culture and the audience and then the kind of corporate and advertising world. The 95 Source Awards, as we know, is one of the most memorable ones because of the whole Suge Knight incident that happened, him going on stage. But we know we, we, we you know, the full story, of course, with Diddy throwing his jab in the beginning earlier. And that's why Suge Knight did what he did. But if you look at it, New York was so tough and critical, not only of the West Coast, but I read online that they were booing outcast. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you don't have to read. You can watch when, yeah. when uh, Andre and, and Big Boy go up there with Good Goody Mob to receive their award for New Artist of the Year, Best New Group of the Year. I mean, yeah, it, it was a, you know, I mean, obviously there was some other New York artists in the category with them that were more popular with the local crowd. Um, but as a whole, New York, you know, was still not there yet in terms of having an open mind to uh, hip hop coming from other parts of the country. You know, New York was first, it's the Mecca, it's where it was created uh, from the, you know, the culture of the South Bronx and, you know, the other boroughs, the Queens and Brooklyn, you know, is where hip hop emanated from and its origins come from. And so for a long time, hip hop was dominant in, in uh, you know, in the world. I mean, New York hip hop was dominant uh, throughout the 70s and the 80s. But, you know, once you had kind of the West Coast takeover begin you know it kind of starts with nwa uh and too short and others but then really when you get into the launch of death row you know by 92 with the chronic you know that really is when the west becomes the dominant force in hip-hop so new york already was being pushed aside by the west and kind of, oh you know not taking their music as seriously the south wasn't even in the equation really yet uh most people in new york had no idea about you know what luke was doing uh you know down in miami and other parts of the south and you know even what was going on with rap a lot and you know the ghetto boys and some of their other artists um that that really you know were getting big in the late 1980s so um yeah it was it was still you know an early time but of course you know the south has had something to say now you know for a long time in hip-hop and, and really you know obviously kind of runs runs it today the south is probably you know the the 
the region that is the most dominant today for sure yeah unfortunately is i'm a i'm a true new york hip-hop head but that's just what's going on right now so uh, what's your take on the whole message of hip hop today? Because you, you brought up the legendary song, the message before, but the overall message of hip hop today, it doesn't talk about the struggles of what black people go through. And just the overall message has changed nowadays. It's become this, this money business. It's just money, money, money. And that's it. And you see it in the music videos back in the days, you look at old, older music videos. It was how people lived in their environments, their struggles, the graffiti. How do you feel about the overall message today in hip hop? Well, I mean, I think there's, there's different sides to it. Um, I do think that, you know, the hip hop that's uh, really, you know, kind of keeping the music and the culture uh, at the top of the charts, so to speak, um, it's still by and large is being created by people who are, you know, dealing with the struggle of African-Americans in, in this you know, country and coming from these oppressed communities where, you know, lack of education, lack of health care, lack of, you know, uh, the economic disparities, the, you know, the uh, law enforcement, you know, uh, treatment and targeting, et cetera, are all, you know, uh, you know, are all affecting these communities. So I do think, you know, a lot of the artists are coming from there. They may not be expressing, you know, their feelings about those conditions in the same way that, you know, Public Enemy did, um, but they certainly, a lot of them are, aware and have come through and are still dealing with the fact that these conditions are still here, you know, 30 years uh, later. And, you know, despite hip hop's, you know, multi-billion dollar, you know, status across the world, um, you know, the communities from where hip hop was born are still suffering, you know, uh, beyond belief in, in, in ways, you know, as bad or worse than, than they were back when hip hop was trying to create more awareness about it. So, um, I think there's that side to it. I mean, um, I do think, you know, the music has become more uh, corporate controlled and, 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 and more, you know, focused on commercialization. Uh, but, you know, there's different ways that you can be successful in business and be commercially successful. It's not just have to be, you know, one way. Um, so I think some of what we've gotten um, today, maybe, you know, you know, maybe is not the right, uh, the best, you know, uh, representation that we could provide as a community. Um, but, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I love, you know, still the vibrancy of what's going on in hip hop today. It may not, again, have the same sound or the same message, but the feeling of it is still there in a lot of ways. And that's what gives me hope to be able to create a platform like I'm doing with Breakbeat and try to build something that can help channel and you know uh influence the culture similar to what i was able to do with the source because that's another missing ingredient is the media you know the source was the bible of hip-hop the source had a major you know role in helping to kind of influence the, the evolution and direction of the music and the culture and that that uh authority you know came because of our love and commitment to the music and the culture and, and creating an environment and bringing people together that shared in their you know love and respect for hip-hop and that's you know, what always gave us our our edge um so i think that you know there's room you know for a platform like breakbeat to kind of uh help uh you know bring a different perception of hip-hop to the broader world help 
uh, unify us more. A big thing is, you know, it's just unification. I mean, hip hop is the most, you know, probably the most powerful thing in the world that can cut across every dividing line that, you know, tends to divide us in our world, whether it's race, whether it's class, whether it's geographic location, you know, hip hop kind of cuts through all of that and, and has a way of bringing us all together. And I think, you know, seeing that there's more in common, especially across the older and the younger sides of the generations, you know, that's a narrative that the music industry, I think, has pushed of, you know, the older artists and people, oh, this isn't real hip hop, this mumble rap or whatever. And then the younger people are like, ah, you guys are just old and out of touch. And, you know, it creates a division when, you know, even if you're 51 and your cousin or whatever, your nephew is 21, you guys may not like the same music anymore, but I feel like the way that you think about things, the way that you, you know, express yourself, the, um, the way you react to things, your point of view on a lot of things in the world around us, I think, you know, you share those even if you don't like the same music, but if you've been influenced by hip hop, there's still something that's part of hip hop that kind of gets into you as a person as you, you know, become more, you know, more influenced by the music and the culture. And, and that's what I'm looking to tap into is, is to say, hey, yeah, we might not like the same music or we may not wear the same clothes, but guess what? When we want to, you know, talk about sports or politics or social justice or business, you know, an entrepreneurialism or, you know, health issues. I think we all have way more in common amongst ourselves compared to people that aren't part of hip hop. You know, there's the hip hop community and there's people that aren't really hip hop. And I think if we can become more unified, it's going to help us. Um, and, you know, through a, through a media platform, um, you know, like the source that that's a role it played and hopefully there's room. I don't see anyone doing that right now for the culture and for the community. It's kind of like all over the place, you know, the way the media world has, has evolved over these years. Yeah, I agree. Especially the radio stations are not, they're not putting on the legends. Cause I feel as though the, the biggest thing with hip hop is that you do these radio stations are mainly the ones in, in New York. And I don't know about the rest of the country, but as far as the main New York radio stations, besides Sirius XM is that they don't get back to the legends where you'll turn on a rock station. You'll hear their legends all day long played. I think in order to keep the hip hop culture going and alive and so for, for people to know what it sounded like and what it came from till now, you need to get back to people such as slick Rick and cool G rap and other legends that you mentioned before in order to keep it going. And, and maybe it could spark a, a, a place where, rappers may feel comfortable in rapping and actually having a message again that was like the 80s and 90s. Yeah, that's, that's definitely part of it. And shout out to LL, what he's doing with Rock the Bells. Kind that's of right. Address some of those, uh, those issues. You brought the Source Awards to Miami too, and this created a movement for other people who bit, bit off of what you did. And all of a sudden MTV's down there. And how was it getting to get the Source Awards down there in Miami? Oh, it was awesome. I mean, that was probably the best source awards. I mean, they were all great, but Miami is just such, uh, you know, it's just such a different vibe from pretty much any other city in, at least in the continental U.S. There's nothing like Miami. I mean, you just, you get off the plane, you smell the air, it's this tropical air and, you know, you're relaxed. The weather's, you know, beautiful most of the time, you, you know, you go to the beach and, you see lots of, you know, beautiful people, you know, having fun on the beach and 
it, it's just a place that that just is much more relaxing and and um, you know so it, it created just a, a, a an amazing you know home for the Source Awards. I did three Source Awards in Miami, um, and uh, yeah, those they were all all really well received and that's where we turned the source awards into a source awards weekend so it wasn't just a tv show with only you know a few thousand people that could sit in it and watch it or you had to watch it on tv now it was a weekend of activities down there with celebrity basketball games and fundraising you know dinners and community things and you know other you know pool parties and other things going on um throughout the weekend and you know i think we attracted you know 75,000 people down for Source Awards weekend in, in 2003 and 2004, something like that, generated a huge amount of tourism revenue for the city. Co-created the first hip-hop political summit. I believe Al Sharpton was involved too. That's right. That's right. Uh, yeah, that uh, I started the, uh, what was it called? The Hip-Hop Summit Action Network with Al Sharpton. Uh, my guy who I was doing one of the source TV shows, we had a few other TV shows, the source all access and the source sound lab uh, were weekly shows that I had started in around 2000, 2001 that, that uh, were pretty cool shows. Uh, but yeah, my guy, Frank, uh, he was uh, friends with Al and uh, Reverend Al and introduced us. And, you know, we just got to talking and decided that, you know, it made sense to try to organize the hip hop, you know, leadership and, uh, you know, take a more political stance um, on a number of things. And um, so that was really powerful. We had, a, you know, the first one in maybe 2000, 2001, I think was the first political summit that I organized. Um, and it grew, we did more and it became an organization. And then it kind of morphed into something that Russell Simmons took over, um, Hip, -Hop, Hip Hop Summit Action Network but that all came from, you know, what I started. That's right. And, and they have to give you credit here. We're documenting that for you. Thank you. A hundred percent. And congratulations on everything. And eventually in 2007, you come out with hip hop weekly. You're still working. You're still moving here. You got breakbeat media on YouTube, your own podcast. The Dave May show is coming soon. Trapping anonymous podcast too. Yeah. Yeah. We got a nice lineup. I mean, podcasting, I really believe is, you know, this new, explosive space that's going to be around for a long time that's super you know influential and it's kind of you know it's just it's sort of a convergence of television and radio worlds that have broken down and you know podcasting is sort of coming out of of, of, of that as one of the most important mediums both visually and and audio wise um so uh yeah we've got some great shows we're doing different types of podcasts we're doing you know, hosted shows. Um, and we're also doing the more kind of journalistic side of podcasting, the more highly produced storytelling format, um, which has become huge in the podcast world, but there's really, you know, nothing uh, for hip hop that's really, you know, out there, very, very little content in that side of the podcast world. And I also kind of thought about, you know, a podcast network is really kind of like the digital magazine of today. You know, um, that word digital magazine has been thrown around or that term, you know, for 20 years plus now, but it's it's never stuck. Like there's no digital magazine that ever has been really successful. Um, but I thought about a podcast network is sort of like, you know, you take different 
sections of, of your magazine. So for the source, you know, we had a sports column, we had a fashion column, we had a business column, you know, so on down the line, those now kind of become podcasts uh, under the network, which is uh, breakbeat in, in, in this case. You have a 10 part series for Larry Hoover coming soon. Who is someone else that you love to explore their story and let the people know about that they may not know about yet? Yeah. Well, I'm not sure I want to share those because I got exclusive rights to those. And, you know, Larry's story is a great example. I mean, his story is just mind blowing uh, when you hear the full story, you know, and it's, you know, complete in a complete way, in an authentic, accurate way. You know, he's someone whose story, everybody knows his name, you know, everybody has heard of Larry Hoover, he has this kind of mythical, legendary status, but, you know, you only kind of know him of gangster disciples and this kind of head of, you know, this criminal organization, and there's just a whole nother aspect and world inside of him uh, that people have no idea about. So uh, I'm looking, you know, obviously for stories like that, that are relevant, you know, to, uh, to our community to be told. Um, and there's a lot of them. There's a lot of great stories in hip hop and, you know, just in the wider culture um, that, uh, you know, that hip hop influences that we're going to be tackling. So right now it's Unsigned Hype and uh, Larry Hoover are the first two, uh, but we will have, have some other great ones coming soon. Mm -hmm. I, I brought it up earlier about the whole Nas thing with him winning his first Grammy. It took him a long time this far here in, in 2021 to win for King's Disease. W what is your take on the whole Grammy Awards and award shows today? Are they? Do you think they're going to ever eventually embrace the real hip hop? Um, no. I mean, shout out to Nas. Congratulations on on that Grammy. Of course, you know, long overdue, but you know. No, I don't think this is the sign of anything to change. We need our own award show. Um, there is the BET Hip Hop Awards, but you know, I have a vision for how to create an award show for hip hop that's a little different and um, something that can kind of go harken back to the Source Awards and what those were like. Um, I don't think we, we have anything, have seen anything like that since the last Source Awards in 2004. Um, so that's one of the areas that I would love to get into. And I think there's a, a huge opportunity for us to create an award show that we can all feel really good about that really represents the culture, the community, hip hop as a whole, you know, across the board and people getting the props that deserve to be getting the props and, you know, the different areas that hip hop, you know, has so much influence over, you know, making sure all those are recognized, things of, of that nature, I think will, will make, uh, a breakbeat awards or something like that, you know, that something that'll be really, really uh, well received. And uh, I think, you know, very much needed. Yes. Dave Mays, anything else you'd love to let the audience know, my listeners know anything besides the podcast that you have coming up, of course. Um, well, you know, first, thank you for being, you know, uh, patient and also just being, you know, really well prepared. You had a lot of, you know, great questions. And thank you. You've taken the time to uh, kind of understand what I'm doing. Um, and, uh, you know, I just want people uh, uh, to kind of check out our content right now. You can go on any of the podcast apps. Uh, if you listen to podcasts on Apple or Spotify or anywhere else, and you can search Breakbeat. The two shows we have out right now are Don't Call Me White Girl and Culturati, both outstanding podcasts um, that you may like. And then uh, Funny Marco is coming really soon. Uh, I think Funny Marco and Don't Call Me White Girl are going to be, you know, superstars. They're, they're what I would call the unsigned hypes. 
of breakbeat. Uh, they're not rappers, but they're uh, incredible talents that I think are going to be huge uh, superstars for the culture uh, going forward beyond what they've already achieved with their followings. Um, and then you can find some of our visual uh, programs on our YouTube channel. So if you go to Breakbeat Media on YouTube, uh, you can check out our shows there. And of course, our socials at Breakbeat Media on uh, Twitter and Instagram, Facebook, and uh, uh, our website, breakbeatmedia.com. And my following is uh, at The Real Dave Mays. Yes. Dave Mays, I want to thank you again for coming on the show. You're always welcome. Anytime you have anything that you want to promote here, you're, you always have a spot here on the show, man. Thank you, Max, man. It's, yep. it's nice being on here. Appreciate it. Oh, yeah, I'm sure we'll, we'll, we'll be in touch again soon. Yes. Thank you for all you did for hip-hop, too. The real hip-hop, that is. <laughs> thank you. Appreciate yes. that.